Alan Parr put out a video today called Many Christians Will Go to Hell Because of This. Okay, This is a video that is well done. He articulates his arguments well. However, the, the comments really came after him. Now, generally speaking, me and Alan agree on a lot of things. Yep. We don't agree on everything, but we agree on a lot of things, and we're friends, and he's been extremely helpful to me. So I wanted to react to this video. I thought it was a really good video. Give you guys my thoughts, which is kind of, a, I think, a bridge between what some would call lordship salvation, which is more of a Calvinistic position, mm. and uh, the other extreme, which is free grace or easy believing, believism, easy believism, which I feel like it isn't a... I feel like easy believism is like a knock at, at free grace, doctrine of free grace, okay? Zach doesn't know what any of these things Hey, man, I'm just here to press the space it's bar. It's okay. Professing Turn Christians who go to church every Sunday, who give money to their church, and probably were raised in a Christian home, unfortunately, on Judgment Day, are going to sadly find out that they are going to hell. What a uh, what an opening, huh? I mean, that is a claim. That's a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that, talk about a, a hook on a video. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's, I mean that's, that's a, a strong hook. Yep, that's a strong hook. So the 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 assertion is that many professing Christians will go to hell. Okay, and my friend, it is very possible that you watching this video right now very well may be in that number. I mean, it just got even more intense, <laughs> like right after that. So like, it's oh. like not only are there going to be professing Christians in hell, but like you might be one of them. Yeah. Right. Wow. Now, that opening was not meant in any way to spark any sort of fear or shock value in you. But the reality well. <laughs> is that Jesus said that one day at judgment... Alan, don't apologize. Don't apologize for the amazing hook. Yeah, it did exactly hook. that. Alan, that was a great hook. <laughs> Just as a, as a content creator, that was a great hook. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but this is very um, Paul Washer-esque. Uh, hmm. This is like there, there was a moment in the Reformed and Restless movement where there was a lot of this gotcha. there was a lot of this there was a lot of like jolt you into being saved this is uh jolt you into being saved no seriously this is uh anybody who knows this is a, this this might be a deep cut for some of you guys paul washer's shocking youth message he goes to like a youth message rally i, think I remember you reacting and to that. he uh I've, i don't think i've ever reacted to it. i should react to it and he uh just completely obliterates the entire youth conference right mega viral like for that era People passing around CDs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, passing CDs. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go. Right. Apart from me, I never knew you. Now, that's not the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at in this particular video, but what I believe is happening in our society today is that we are placing such a huge emphasis on just believe, believe, believe. And let me be very, very clear. Believing in Jesus Christ is the only prerequisite for being a Christian. The question is, what does it actually mean to believe, and what does it actually look like to believe and is your belief consistent with your behaviors? Makes it a point to say, only that's required for salvation is belief. Yes. But what he does push back on is what does it mean to believe? Mm. And do your beliefs impact your behavior? Yeah. So just so you guys know, there's multiple ways of looking at salvation. There are people who view that salvation is by faith and works. Mm. Okay. So this will be Catholic theology. Like they believe you're initially saved by faith, right? Yeah. But there's you got to continue in pursuing that salvation. Like you got to continue in maintaining that salvation. It can slip away. It can slip away. There's also other there's Christians that believe this, right? Mm -hmm. Um a excuse me, Protestants. Um wow. so that's that's not an uncommon position, mm -hmm. right? The Protestant position would tend to be that we're saved by grace through faith alone. This is one of the five solas, 
right? Now, within there, we diverge into multiple views of do you get saved and then Jesus has to be your Lord and it has to be evidenced by your fruit? Mm. Or do you get saved and it's literally just about believing and that's it, right? Yeah. And the tension there is a real tension because one side will say lordship salvation is heresy. The other side could say that, the, oh, you're just saying people could leave and live however they want to? What do you mean? Yeah. Right? What role does works and behavior change play in? Mm. I think Alan would not say you have to change your behavior to be saved. Yeah. I think what he would say is if you're truly saved, your behavior will change. The question is, is that works? Is that a work to confirm your salvation? Right? Yeah. So it kind of, it, it, it could be confusing for some uh, people. I see what you're saying. Yeah. He, okay. He's just saying it will happen. It will happen. But but then you're but then the the inverse argument would say, well, if it doesn't happen, are you saying that person's not saved? Yes. Mm. And the complicated part about easy believism or free grace is in that paradigm, people who get saved make a profession of faith and then become enemies of the gospel are technically still saved. Ah. So fana- wow. fanatic or bar ermin. People that are outright enemies of the gospel, if they ever profess faith at any Bart point Herman in time, used to be Christian. Yes, oh, wow. they're saved, which is which is hard. That's hard to to, to 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 reconcile that. Yeah, right. And the lordship salvation point would be kind of like, well, they went out from us because they were never among us in, mm. from First John, right? And so it's it's an interesting tension there, right? And so that's why some of the comments are there's some backlash there. James says that if you have faith without works, that is a dead faith. So I believe that there is another passage of scripture that we're going to dig into today in this particular video, that if it was explained to more people who say they want to be a disciple, who say they want to be a Christian, before they actually walk down this road, if they were to truly think about it and try to uh, understand whether it is they want to take this step, I think we'd have a whole lot less false conversions and a whole lot less people who are deconstructing their faith. Let's mm. jump in. So he even he takes get, a shot at deconstruction here a little bit. Yeah, Go a ahead. Bit. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says this. Now, great crowds were traveling with him. Now, let's just stop right here. We're going to break this passage of scripture down. I want you to visualize this for just a moment. You may have to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this huge crowd of people who are traveling with Jesus. And basically, they've heard about what he can do. They've heard about him raising the dead and healing the blind and, and healing the sick and doing all these different things. And maybe they're following him because they want to see a magic show. Maybe they're following him because they need something from him. They want to be healed. They want their, uh, their, their family members to be healed or whatever it is. But what Jesus is getting ready to say in this passage, he is going to separate the committed from the crowd. And I want you to ask yourself while you're going through this passage with me, are you just part of the crowd of people that are following Jesus? Or are you part of the committed that Jesus is going to explain and describe here. Now let's keep going. Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, now let's just stop right there. Because what we see here is that whatever Jesus is gonna say next, he is applying it to anyone and everyone who says they want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, anyone who names the name Christian. He says, what I'm getting ready to say is what I am requiring of somebody who says they want to be a disciple. The first quality of a disciple, somebody who says they want to be a Christian, is that they elevate their faith over their family. Notice it says here, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and later on it says, he cannot be my disciple. 
shout out to the fanatic. <laughs> yeah, you had a whole video unpacking. I did that. a whole video unpacking that, and and that word in in the Greek and how it doesn't literally mean hate; it means to love less in the Greek. And uh, fanatic was like, I don't, that's why he's not a Christian. He never married. And that's why Jesus <laughs> is bad for society. Yeah. She's a complete L. I'm hey, not laughing at Guys, that. smash that like button real quick. That helps us out a ton in the algorithm. Okay. So uh so far so good. I mean, this he's making a, a compelling case for this, right? Yeah. Now, one can make the argument that there is a difference between salvation and discipleship. Yeah. You can be saved, and that is by grace through faith alone. Mm-hmm. But salvation will, I mean, excuse me, discipleship will cost you everything. Right, and that would be kind of the, the free grace pushback to that is, hey, we're saved by grace through faith alone, but discipleship can cost you everything. Then you get into, can you be saved without being a disciple? Yeah, right. I mean, I would be interested to see what the ladies that touched the hem of Jesus's robe the rest of her life look like. That's a good point. Like, what is she doing? Yeah, she didn't just start a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or the thief on the cross. Yeah, right. Who had no works who had no proper theology, who mm. didn't do anything. He yeah. literally just begged for mercy. Or um, the the when the tax collector, uh, excuse me, the, the Pharisee and the guy that goes up and, and he's, he's, he's uh, lamenting over his sin, and Jesus says the guy who was lamenting and broken over his sin and, and begged for mercy from God, you know, he'll be justified. Yeah. You know? So... I think I think I think this is a interesting tension that we don't talk about enough, you know. And I'll give you guys more practical examples as we go. And I got a, a bunch of Bible verses to kind of show you guys kind of my position on this. Okay, cool. Quality um, number two: If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So now he's talking about sacrifice over self-centeredness. You see, there's this tendency in our lives to want to do what we want to do and to do our will. But Jesus is saying, I am calling anyone who wants to be a disciple to a life of surrender, a life of sacrifice, where we constantly put down what we want in exchange for what God wants. But see, what we want to do is we want to compartmentalize our lives. We have certain things that we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you control over this. Oh, but not over this. Right? I'll let you control over my money. I'll give money to the church. Oh, but I don't want you to control my my sexuality or my dating relationships or my marriage or what you know you may want me to do with my career or my money. So so it's like we're we're, we're got one foot in, but there's some areas of our lives where we're just not willing to surrender. And he says, if you Pause want, it. so I would argue and push back here that surrender is for our benefit. Hmm. Surrender doesn't prove that we're saved. Surrender is for our benefit to not live a freaking trash life trying to be incongruent and do all these weird things. Yeah. Right? So living God's ways, because we have the law of God written on our heart, is in our best interest. Hmm. Right? So if someone doesn't want to relinquish their sexuality, hypothetically, right, which is the most... um, That's the most, like, intense one, right? Like, Like, that's, like, whoa, that's gnarly. That's... Like your benefit is in following Jesus on this side of eternity. Like you benefit from submitting your sexuality, your finances, your career on this side of eternity. Yeah, I don't think if someone hypothetically become get, get, says, "I believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins," per you know, First Corinthians uh, chapter fifteen, the the earliest creed, uh, Ephesians chapter two, Romans chapter three. I believe in Jesus, and then continues working in a career that they shouldn't be working. They say they're like, I don't know, like they work at a casino. You're right? saying so you're saying let, let me let me first yeah, start out. Okay. They work at a casino. And it's kind of a questionable 
job. It's not the greatest environment. It's ethical. But they keep working on, a, on at the casino. Just because they didn't surrender their vocation to the Lord doesn't mean that they're not saved. Yeah. It just means that they didn't surrender their vocation to the Lord. That's an L on their part. Yeah. You played yourself. Yeah. You don't know what God may have for you on the other side, right? But when you make that a prerequisite for being saved, mm. that gets very murky, right? So in my mom's case, she was going to this like Russian Pentecostal church. Yeah. And the lady pulled her to the side and was like, you're a blackjack dealer. Like, you need to quit your job. And my mom was like, wait a minute. And I, and again, and I said, that's a terrible approach. That's a very backwards, asinine approach hmm. to kind of connect that to where someone is to their salvation. And it, and it jacked my mom up and she stopped going to that church. And, and this, is, this is kind of, you know, Pentecostal-ish views of, of stuff anyway, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I think, I think that's, the, that's the difficult part about saying surrender. We should surrender. You should absolutely surrender your life to God. Absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't mean if you don't surrender that you're any less saved than the person who does surrender. See, this passage, it needs to be explained to new Christians so that they know exactly what they are getting themselves into and what they are signing up for from the jump. Let's keep going. Quality number three, pain over pleasure. Now, notice it says here, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, in these days, there were a lot of people who were losing their lives because of their faith. And here's the reality, saints. Jesus, for most of us, is not even calling us to a life where we might be in jeopardy of, of losing our lives or being a martyr. He is just simply saying, you know what? In this life, there's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be humiliation. Mm -hmm. There's going to be shame. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be all of these. There's going to be loss. Yep. There's going to be financial struggles. There's going to be marital stress, strain, and struggles. But see, the issue for many of us, because we're not taught this, because we've been fed this cotton candy gospel, this watered-down version of the gospel, this seeker-sensitive type of gospel, this gospel from the church and from the pulpit, oftentimes where they're afraid to mention sin, they're afraid to call out certain things, they're afraid to, to challenge people to go deeper in their faith. What happens is when these things come into their lives, they're disillusioned and they right. don't know what to think right. because they've been fed this lie that everything in their life is going to go well. And yes. as a result, whenever pain comes, yep. whenever it's time for them to carry their own cross, they want to shake their empty <clears throat> fist in the face mm. of God and ultimately leave the church and ultimately leave the faith. This is a fair critique of that, but not everyone who holds the position of uh, free grace doesn't talk about sin or doesn't talk, right? Like, yeah. that's not, that's that, that that's not, so he's kind of railing like on the secret friendly movement and on the prosperity gospel, but not everybody who holds the position of free grace. We all talk about the wrath of God. We all talk about the judgment of God. We yeah, all yeah, talk yeah. about, um, living God's ways and following God's laws. I'm so curious to know where you land on this. But we'll I will. I got, I, got, I got a bunch of scripture. Okay. And by the way, if you're in the chat, please, this is not turning into an eternal security conversation, okay? Both Alan and people who hold free grace believe in eternal security. If you're on the outs of that, you go, go watch another video about it. Can you explain what eternal security is? Once saved, always saved. Oh, okay. Once saved, always saved. And, and, I, and I'll address that towards the end because, yeah, again, yeah. that's how we define what is being saved. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. Any comments about once saved, always saved? Or try to debunk that. Like you're just going to get put in timeout in the chat. I just, I just pre-warned you. Don't, don't, don't derail that. So this has nothing to do with once saved, always saved. Yes. It, it's only about what is true salvation. Yes. So once we, yeah, that's a whole other conversation yep. when we actually speed get this saved. up a little bit because we kind of got to move through it. Yep. Look, I'm actually calling you to a, a life that is going to include pain, difficulty, and hardship. Number four, relationship over religion. Notice he says here, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, or another version says follow me, cannot be my disciple. Now, do you see the strong language that Jesus is using here? Cannot be my disciple. So he's inviting us to a 
to a relationship with him, not just religion. He says, you have to follow me. What does that look like? That means spending time with him. That means praying. That means fasting. That means trusting. That means learning. That means obeying. That means worshiping. So you see, you see, this is where it gets dangerous because now we're adding a bunch of stuff that you have to do. Yeah. Right? Trusting, obeying, worshiping, right? All these other things. If salvation is by grace through faith alone, per the solas, per Ephesians 2, Romans 3, now, now you're kind of adding, it's seeming, it seems that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we're talking about it from a surface level perspective of worshiping, mm -hmm. it kind of does contradict what he was saying in the beginning when he was saying even Christians that are going to church mm -hmm. could be, are, right. might maybe going to hell. Right. But then when you get later in the video, it's like, if you're not worshiping, if you're not doing this stuff, right. we're like, well, then what are the Christians doing at church? And then right. how hard do they have to be worshiping right. to right. Right. be saved? Right. It's interesting. Right. And, and and again, this is him leaning, I wouldn't say he holds this position, but this is him leaning to a uh, lordship salvation view where Jesus is your Lord as well as your Savior. Yeah. Right? So you, he has to be your Lord, Lord over your life. Right? Mm -hmm. Keep going. That means putting our, our, our trust in him. See what religion is, okay, let me go to church, let me give some money, maybe let me, you know, uh, hang out with some Christian friends or whatever. No, those are all religious activities. What Jesus is calling us to is a life of intimate fellowship with him. Amen. I'm not the one that writes, he says, look, if you don't come after me and follow me in relationship, he says, you cannot be my disciple. Number five, commitment over convenience. Let's see what it says. But don't begin, I'm reading this from the New Living this time, until you count the cost. I love this. He says, hey, this is what I've been getting to this entire video. He says, don't even start down the road of saying you want to be a Christian. You want to be a disciple of Christ. He says, mm -hmm. don't begin until you think about it, until you consider, until you count the cost of what might be required of you as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's why I said this passage needs to be taught to every single new believer. As a matter of fact, if you have a friend who just got saved within the last year, send them this video and make sure they watch this so that they are not disillusioned about what it means to truly be a Christian. Let's keep going. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? He says, who does that? Who starts building an entire building only to realize they don't have enough money to be able to finish it? Nobody does that. Instead, what we do is we look at the bank and we say, okay, you know, in fact, we've got banks that approve us for loans to make sure that we don't do this. Make sure we have the money. We have to count the cost. We have to consider it. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm calling you to do the same thing with regards to your relationship with me. He says, otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Wow. Isn't that what we see today? So many people starting down the road of building their faith only to leave it partially built. I believe the word that we call that is deconstruction. Pause it. So here again, building your faith mm -hmm. to then leave it, yeah. right? So every disciple is a believer, but is every believer a disciple? Interesting. That's a good question, right? It is a good question. And it seem, it does seem like listening to the verses, as Alan was saying them, mm -hmm. it does seem like Jesus is using disciple, disciple almost interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Keep going. I believe that we would have less stories of deconstruction today if on the front end of someone's conversion, we clearly taught them what it means to be a disciple. I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway. If you're a church leader watching this, I want you to ask yourself the question, as new people come into your church and they get uh, uh, baptized, are you explaining to them what it means to be a Christian? Or are we just simply trying to get them into a small group or getting to serve at church, which is nothing wrong with that. But they need to know what is required of them as a Christian before they move on. And finally, number six, usefulness over uselessness. Notice he says here, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Listen, salt in those days was used as a flavor enhancement. Now, 
I'm just gonna be honest with you. Some of y'all need to use some more salt in your, in your food. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, salt changes the flavor. Salt was also used as a preservative. In either case, what is he saying? Salt is a change agent. When you put salt on stuff, stuff starts changing, taste starts changing, mm -hmm. right? And he's saying in the same way, that's why he says we are to be salt because we are to be change agents. But instead, and far too often, we are not changing the culture around us. Instead, we are being changed by the culture that is around us. Yep. And Jesus is saying here, if the salt is not performing its job of changing the atmosphere and changing the situation, he says, what good is it? How do you make it salty again? As a matter of fact, there's a secondary use of salt. In those days, they would throw salt on a pile of manure to keep the weeds from growing up. And Jesus is basically saying, I can't even use you for that. <laughs> Notice it says here, he says here, flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He says, look, not only can I use you not for to change and, and, and for the seasoning and all that stuff, I can't even use you for the most basic thing, which is to throw salt on a manure pile to keep the weeds from growing up. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, my friend, listen, I know at this point in the video, you might be scared. You might be thinking, listen, this video was not intended to spark crazy fear in you to make you question your salvation. No, no, no. Well, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> this title says many Christians will go to hell because of this. You did. <laughs> Keep going. But it was intended as a heart check, as a warning. And for some of you watching this video, it should create some fear because if you've gone most of your life and if you're being honest with yourself, just honest, you have no relationship with Jesus. You may call out to him whenever you need something or you pray whenever yeah. something's in trouble. But, but you, let's be honest, you, you don't really read your Bible. You don't really pray and you're really not going to church. And it hasn't just been that way for a short season. This has been a consistent theme of yours for most of your life. This video was intended for you. This passage of scripture was intended for you because it's intended for you to take a close look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I really a Christian? Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want yeah. to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that belief, my friend, should be a byproduct, a natural byproduct of your belief should be followed up with changed behavior and a desire to be a disciple, a fully okay. devoted follower. So, so, so there he's there. Mm. There's the crux. Okay. Should be your belief <laughs> should be, yeah, or must be, mm. or has to be. There's people I know, multiple people I know who love the Lord professed faith with their mouth, mm -hmm. went to church, did all the things, and tragically overdosed <laughs> and died in a state of sin. Wow. There's people That's I dark. know who love the Lord, in church serving, and self-deleted themselves. Those people to me are saved. Yeah. They did not persevere till the end. Right? Yeah. They completely blew it. Yet the love of God and the and the grace, if it's actually by grace through faith alone, yeah. that if we really believe that, that means it covers past, present, and future sin. Mm. That's what that means. Now, the question goes, the question goes, how does all of this work? How does this all work? Right? Because one side saying should, some people say must, some say don't have to. Yeah. Right? And I got a couple verses for you guys. Okay. So this is the book of Ezekiel. This is foreshadowing, in my opinion, what salvation is. Okay? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my commandments 
and do them. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is to the children of, of of Israel while they're exiled in Babylon, and um, this is a foreshadowing of salvation from all the scholars I've seen talk about it. Okay, so I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will give I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my judgment. My judgment, this is, I'm reading from a different version of the New King James, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and, and judgments to do them. So that what this is saying is that in salvation, something happens in salvation where God gives us new desires and new hearts. Okay? <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has been reconciled, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has been given us the ministry of reconciliation. So if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. You are a new creation. Okay. New creations get new desires, new hearts. Okay. Let's go to the last one. Ephesians verse uh, eight and uh, uh, Ephesians two, uh, verses eight and uh, eight, nine and ten. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, okay? So I don't believe you got to do stuff to maintain it. Why? Because he tells you, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. You don't do things to earn your gift. You don't do things to maintain your gift. You just get a gift. If I give my son some rollerblades for Christmas, he doesn't have to keep doing things to keep his rollerblades. He just got some fly rollerblades for Christmas. That's it. He doesn't got to write them. He don't got to do nothing, Okay. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. None of y'all should be boasting in your salvation, by the way. None of you should take pride in your salvation, right? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. There's something, again, we're created in Christ Jesus. There's something happening that's new for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not that we must. It's not that we have to, it's that we should, Mm -hmm. it's that we get to, okay? So if we get to, that means that we get to. That means that I get to take my wife out on a date. If I don't take my wife on a date, that doesn't mean I'm not married. It doesn't mean I'm not a husband. (laughs) Yeah. It means I get to. But sometimes people have little babies and you don't get to do date night every week. That doesn't mean you're not married anymore. Right? That's, that's, that's not what that's saying. And so I think this entire thing is is, is coming down to the crux of which role do, wor- do works play in our salvation process. Right? And I think Alan's video made it seem like there's a lot of stuff we're kind of required to reveal. And this, again, this is a lordship salvation model. I don't fully agree with it. Yeah. Right? But where I would probably disagree with free grace is saying that, well, you're saved now and performing good works is on you. So just do good works because they're in your best interest. Like, yes, good works are in your best interest. They are. Yeah. But stop the cap with assuming that we don't get a new heart and a new desire and a new trajectory for life. You totally do, right? And this is the charismatic in me where I absolutely believe that something supernatural and radical happens at the point of salvation, right? Something supernatural and radical happens at the point of salvation. And not that you must do works to prove you're saved, yeah. which is kind of the Lordship salvation. I'm not saying that's Alan's exact position, but that's kind of the way he's leaning in the video. 
and that you or, or that if you don't do works you're not saved well, that's specifically not with the title i would say that like regardless of what he said mm -hmm. the intro and title definitely lay out this scenario which a christian's going to go to hell yes. yes so so even if he is not saying he's leading that way yes. or that's but the but the claim is in the beginning and it's in the title yes. now that also doesn't mean that you won't have conflicting desires mm. it's what is that deeper desire do you is the deeper desire to love God and to serve him the way I love my wife and to serve her mm -hmm. right is the deeper desire that, that doesn't mean you won't have conflicting desires right well what is the deeper desire because I think if we're honest a lot of us struggle with conflicting desires you may want to uh sin and enjoy sin but but you, but but that deeper desire is but I love God yeah. right and so what I don't want to do is have anybody live in their life walking on eggshells that just because you struggle with your desires, sometimes your desires are conflicted, or just because you are uh, in a perpetual state of sin. Say you're an addict right now. Say you're watching this right now and you're on meth. <laughs> like straight up. Yeah. You're, you're harming yourself and everyone in your family, but I think you're saved. I think you're saved. And I think you need to go get help. And I think you need to go work that out. And I think you need to deal and wage war on your sin. And I think you need to go get counseling. And I think you need to go get therapy. But you're not going to hell because you have an addiction in your life. Mm -hmm. Because you, you, you have conflicting desires and you don't know how to, to, um, to, 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 to process these things. Right. And that's the dangerous part about about telling people. And, and, and this is what a lot of people have said. And I'll say this is true for my life. The moment I understood how profound and how deep the grace of God went for my life. Mm -hmm. And the moment I also saw that shown to me by my wife, meaning when I confessed to her that I was struggling with porn and that the grace and the love was there. That's what caused me to go and stop sinning. Mm. Not the shame and the walking on eggshells and being afraid that oh, I'm going to go to hell because I'm looking at porn. No, no, no. It was the opposite. It was the mercy and it was the kindness of God that brought me to repentance. It was the kindness of my wife that that, that finally broke that stronghold in my life. Yeah. It wasn't the shame and the condemnation and the I'm going to leave you. It was the love and the and the and the mercy and the grace of God that and, and that's Romans. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So I think we have to be very careful with what we are telling people because I, I, if you believe in Jesus, you repent, and that word repent means change your mind. You've changed your mind about God and being your own God. You placed your faith in someone else, and you believe, and you're you, you're making the profession of belief. You're saved. Mm -hmm. You're saved. And I believe anyone that has done that, generally speaking, has desires that have changed. All of a sudden, the things I used to love, I now hate. All the things I used to hate, I now love. And by the way, getting off of porn was a 10-year process for me. Mm. That was hard. That was a 10-year process. And, and it wasn't a magic bullet that like, all of a sudden, I got saved and whoosh, no more porn. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it was therapy. It was counseling. It was accountability. It was, it, was, it was reading books. It was going to the gym. It was going to sleep earlier. All of these different things. And so I think... That's the part that I'm concerned about. And, 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 and the issue is sometimes the church doesn't talk about this. Sometimes the church will tell you, yeah, you should have new desires or you need to stop sinning or you need to stop looking at porn, but they don't go and say, and this is how you do it. And mm. this is how you bring, break strongholds. And this is how you... When the world is giving us more advice on breaking habits like power of habit and atomic habits and less 
practical stuff like, hey, this is actually how you conquer these issues, right? Which is which is why we put together the Master My Habits course. If you guys haven't checked that out, we have a whole bunch of free courses, but Master My Habits is one of them. We have uh, Master My Diva on how to get into the Bible. Uh, but MasterMyHabits.com is a course I put together with my Christian therapist to help people with freedom-forming habits, right? And check out mastermyhabits.com. It's completely free. We've had over 10,000 people go through it, finding freedom, breaking through in this area of, of sexual addiction. The last thing anyone needs when they're addicted is to, to, is to be, ta- be told that they're not a Christian. That's, that's, that, 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 that doesn't help anybody. It's like being fat and being reminded that you're fat and being shamed <laughs> into being fat. It's the last thing anybody needs when they're fat. We could have an objective conversation. Hey, just a reminder, you can't fit into an, a large. Like, what? That, 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 you think that helps? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the situation. And so um I think that's the that's the tension that we're in between this conversation of saved by grace and works, saved by grace and must produce works and saved by grace and don't have to produce any works. I think there's that tension and my position is that generally speaking Christians desire to produce works. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking but that may look like a mess and a half for a lot of us. And those people, they need the truth. They need to be corrected, but they also need resource. And they also need accountability. And they also need mercy. They're making people think they can live in sexual sins and still get in the gates of heaven. Um, If you're saved by grace through faith, what makes you think that you can't make it to heaven if you are still wrestling with sin? What makes you think you can't? Because again, Jesus plus anything ruins everything. Yeah. So I got to get saved by grace through faith alone. Oh, and by the way, I have to perfect my life. That sounds like a workspace salvation, right? And everything we just read in the scripture is the total opposite of that. It's, again, we'll, we'll read it again. I'll, I'll remind you this verse again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? So that is what the scriptures say. By grace through faith for good works. So what do you think Jesus was saying in those verses that um, that Alan spoke of? I think that Jesus was saying two things. I think I think there can, can be an argument made that there's a difference between someone that's saved and someone that's a disciple. Okay. I think that's possible. I haven't really given that much thought. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus was saying generally this. You you know, if 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 if, if there is no distinction between disciple and a and a believer, I think Jesus could have also been saying generally like yeah, generally you will produce good works. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you know, you don't have to. You must not. Like, it's it's not a if you don't, you're in hell. But generally speaking, yeah, that'd be good works. Also, it's interesting to think about what could be, what would the timeline of requirement be to produce good works? Mm-hmm. If Jesus is saying you will produce good works, mm-hmm. if someone's saved and it takes them four years, mm-hmm. let's say in four years they're like fully sanctified, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously not a thing, but like mm-hmm. they they have gotten rid of a lot of bad habits, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, you know, is that too, is that too long for? That's for, what I'm saying. Cause, cause it, how many, how, how much sin is too much sin? How yeah. long in sin is too much sin? Especially if you're going to be saved for 50 years, let's say you're saved for 50 yes. years. Yes. Saved at 20 years old. Yep. You know, and you, and you really got the sanctification side of it down mm-hmm. 10 years in. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, well, you you had forty years of like really, really strong mm-hmm. like battle to everything yeah. type of thing. Yeah. But but if you were to rewind that first ten years, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, struggle with this, struggle with that, struggle mm-hmm. with this, and it's like, am I not saved? You right. know, it's it's right. an interesting it's an yeah. interesting thought because yeah. 
you ended up producing good works yeah. just a little bit later down the road. And yo, we started different starting spaces. That's kind of you've, what I, you've what never I'm you've never struggled with porn. Uh, I mean, yeah, lust, yeah, n not like not, not. You didn't have a porn addiction. Yeah, I didn't have a porn okay. addiction. No. Why? Because I was raised in a Christian household Hello? that gave me good. Hello, Good and your dad took and, you on some retreat when yeah, you were just man. hit puberty. Yeah, had man. the talk with you yeah. and, and and set you on a good path. Yes, that's not a that's not an issue you dealt with. Yeah, I was freaking raised with a an alcoholic mom that was barely around. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and didn't work nights. I, I'm, we're not starting at the same starting point, yeah. right? And so there are people that are coming from trauma. The decision and, to not and, partake and, in something was a lot easier. It was a lot easier. I didn't have to like. I didn't yeah. have the strongholds. You, you generally of, had supervision. Yeah, you had a brother but that it, was around. Even when I'm old, even when I was older, mm -hmm. like young adult, moved out at 18 or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, there's times where it's difficult, but generally it wasn't like I need to get into therapy and work yeah. out twice a day. And it, it, it there was a general process of like I can control this, yeah. and so I, let me not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so some people don't have that, bro. Some yeah. people literally grow up in some of the most awful circumstances that you guys have the slightest clue of what they're going through. Yes. Someone that's been trafficked, you have the slightest clue of what they're going through. Yeah. You have no idea what that person's going through. Their process of freedom may take them a decade or two. Mm. And it sucks, but the heart of the believer and the heart of the church shouldn't be, get your crap together because you're a freaking idiot because you keep yeah. running back to your vomit. They know that already. I knew that already. Mm. The heart of the, the heart of the church and the heart of a fellow disciple should be how can we get you resource? How can we get you help? What can we do to to to, to create and and that's I mean that's what we do with mastermindhabits.com. Like we literally are like, yo, I know there's people that have gone through what I've gone through and they need uh they they need that. You know what I mean? They yeah. need that. So don't nitpick over this stuff. I think I think there's a there's a healthy bridge um and I think there will be people in heaven that we will be shocked <laughs> that made it. And uh, and people that's, that aren't going to be in heaven, that and, there, be and there'll be people in heaven that we're shocked that didn't make it. Yeah, and that's the that's the interesting part <laughs> about you know uh, salvation by grace through faith alone.